He's no longer a humble little helpless baby in a manger, is he? He is risen! Wrong season, but come on, he's alive! Alive! King of kings and Lord of lords, all-powerful. It's amazing what our Jesus can do and how great his love is for us. Just amazing to think about. Um, so uh, we thank you all so much for joining us here today. Uh, I'm excited. It's going to be a great morning. It's going to be a great, great morning because with Thanksgiving now behind us, right, I love the Thanksgiving season. I love hunting season, but my favorite season is now the most wonderful time of the year, right? You got Christmas music playing out everywhere. Um, you know, literally the praises of Jesus ringing out through Dollar General, Walmart, you know, I mean, Wherever you go, the praises of Jesus are ringing, and I just, I love that. You know, the lights are all aglow, um, you know, you've got girls falling for the wrong guy every single time in every Hallmark movie, <laughs> yet somehow they come up with more and more, so, you know, I mean, you, you gotta love that. Um, snow is soon on its way, I hear, no more 60 degree weather, we'll take it while we get, I know, I know, some people are cursing the pastor, that's all right, but, um... And of course, Santa preparing for his big night, right? But this time of the year, it's so easy for us to get so caught up in, in all the, the ways that the world celebrates it. And it's not that any of those are necessarily wrong. But sometimes we do forget, you know, the reason for the season, Jesus. Remembering, you know, God coming into flesh in that way. Um, and I know around um, our family, we have family traditions, you know, as we got married and had kids of our own, we kind of merged our family traditions and... So, you know, we like to go see light shows. It's one of our things, you know, we go and do. And, um, you know, of course, there's all the Christmas movies. Like, it's just not Christmas until we have these movies that we have seen, you know. Now, one on my list is Elf. Um, the whole family doesn't share that, that, that affinity for the Elf culture as I do, you know. Um, but there is a, a, a tradition here at New Hope. It is not Christmas until I share some Christmas cheer here with you. So here it is. Christmas is kind of bittersweet for me because when I was a kid, my first time performing, I was six years old, and uh, I was performing in our Christmas pageant at church, and I had one line in one song. It was the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? And I messed it up. I sang, a child, a child, sleeping in the night with a tail as big as a kite. That's not the way that song goes, ladies and gentlemen. People get mad when you sing about baby Jesus with a tail. Think about that song, Do You Hear What I Hear? It's Psycho. Who wrote that? Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. I think the shepherd boy's been in the field a little too long, don't you? <laughs> Talking to the sheep. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh. We gotta tell the mighty king. It's worse, they go to the mighty king, you know. A child, a child shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. How about a blanket? How about some soup? Child shivered in the cold! Throw some gold on him, he'll be fine. <laughs> he's got pneumonia, but he's loaded. That kid is gonna be some. <laughs> 
All right, so now it's the Christmas season here at New Hope. <laughs> oh, I love it, I love it. So this morning, we're going back to that day uh, that the, the Gospels record, that day that Jesus was born. So we're going to go back to that day. And I believe that here this morning, God desires us to have a better understanding of what really makes this season merry and bright. You know, it's a common phrase. We hear it in a lot of Christmas carols and whatnot. Um, it is a season that is merry and bright. And we're going to go into this in more depth next week. But when you look at the biblical account of Jesus' birth, it wasn't exactly a time of celebrating. It was a very, very dark time. Jesus, the light of the world, was born into darkness. However, it was for that very reason that Jesus was born. Things were not going very well in the world, and God had a purpose in that perfect timing for his son to be born. He came to bring hope into the place of hopelessness, joy into the place of despair, praise in the place of heaviness, and of course, you know, light into darkness. That's why Jesus came. He came for such a purpose. And so, if you'll turn with me, if you've got your Bible or you've got your Bible app, you know, or uh, whatever, to Luke chapter 2. And if you don't have that, instead of us reading silently, like we did in, in elementary school, I'm going to read it out loud, and y'all can follow along. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's just so quiet in here. In those days, Caesar, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Government overreach. I mean, come on, right? I want to know how many people I'm rolling over, you know, right? Yeah, that's what he wanted to know. This is the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. You know, they're taking over all kinds of the world. The Roman Empire is growing and growing. If you're not familiar with the Roman Empire, check out your world history. It, uh, it wasn't a very pleasant, you know, um, uh, empire. And the uh, kingdom of the world, the Roman Empire, kept clashing with the kingdom of God, the uh, Jewish reign. They had their own nation. They wanted to be a sovereign people. They didn't want to be ruled by anybody. So you got all this clashing going on in this simple little verse here. It says, And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. So much significance there. Jesus being born through both David and Mary's bloodlines, you know, through um, the Davidic kingship and reign. It says he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. They, they did a, um, assign marriages back then, not very popular in the culture today. I tell you, wouldn't it simplify life, though? I mean, it just takes all those choices. And, I mean, Hallmark movies wouldn't be as cute if they were assigned marriages, I don't think. Anyways, in any case, um, she was pledged to be married to him, and she was expecting a child. Whoa, wait a second here. They're not married yet. How'd she, how'd she go get pregnant? That's, you, know, you know the story. In verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. See, back in those days, they didn't have the interweb, the, the internet, or, or uh, you know, Expedia, you know, Travelocity, Kayak. They, they couldn't make reservations like you can today. So I'm so, so thankful for the world we live in, right? We don't have to go on family vacations in mangers. That'd be cheaper. Anyways, I'm sorry, with teenagers, we can't... It's like you try to sneak them past the, uh, the front desk. Like, we, we only have four. We don't have five. We're not breaking any fire codes, right? 
They want to sort of, you know, you got to rent two rooms because they got three teens. And I'm sorry, I squirrel. In any case, wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, this newborn baby, not the most sanitary of conditions. And at the same time, we kind of cut scene and go to another um, place at that same time. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord, oh, Lord, let your glory fall and go all through this valley here. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. That isn't a phrase that we need in today's world, right? Don't be afraid. There is no reason for fear. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. This is a little unexpected for the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord's told us about. And so they hurried off. I don't know who took care of the sheep. I don't think they cared about the sheep at that point, you know. They just scurry along. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now, it's, it's easy to read this and to not understand how busy and hectic and chaotic that town was at the time. How many mangers there were in town at the time. It had to be the leading of the Holy Spirit that they got to the right place at the right time and they found this, you know. I, of course, you know how gossip goes around, you know. Maybe, maybe people were whispering and they caught wind from other people where to find this young couple, um, you know, and their baby. But in any case, they find him. And it says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about that child. So you see, I love gossip in a little town because good news can spread through those same channels, Right? Good news can spread through those same channels. So get the whispering going on about some good things that Jesus is up to, right? Let's start spreading the good news. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I'm sure you mothers can relate to that, that feeling when you just treasure up in your heart like, man, what, what, is, this, what is this child going to do, you know? It, imagining, you know, this Mary did you know that we sang, you know, just imagining um, she knew who he was, and I just, I can only imagine. Anyways, exciting times, thinking about the, the future potential of your child. So she treasured them up in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They had a good old worship service out in those fields with those sheep that night, you know? Awesome, awesome times. And so we see there was good news that would cause great joy for all people that was shared that night. And that's what the gospel is. The gospel is just the good news about Jesus. We come up with a fancy church word to describe it, but that's what it is, the gospel. The gospel is always good news, and it always causes great joy 
to anyone who's willing to accept it. The people in town accepted what the shepherd said, and they got excited about it. It was good news, and it caused joy. You know, uh, all the stirring about who this child was and, and what he was going to accomplish and what his purpose were. Um, purpose was. The gospel itself is unchanging. The good news about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And in this ever-changing world, we really, really need something that firm and solid that we can stand on, right? But I love this about the gospel. The way that you spread the good news, it changes with, the, with the whatever's going on today. You know, we've got social media today, whatever, you know, the case might be. Start up your, what is those servers that you guys hang out on for gaming? I don't know what. Discord. All right, bring some peace to Discord, I, I don't know, you know. But, but there's infinite ways to share the good news with people. God decided to pick some shepherds out in the middle of the, you know, the, the overnight shift the, um, and, and to share the good news with them and to have the angelic host join them. I mean, that's how he chose to spread the gospel. I think it'd be really cool. Wouldn't it be cool if you told someone about Jesus and it's the heavens open up and, you know, the heavenly host accompanies and, yeah, that'd be awesome. So it's going to happen someday, right? We're going to see it. It happened with Paul, right? Yeah? No, Stephen. He, he, Stephen's the one who got to see into heaven. We're, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. In any case, but the gospel, I, what I love about the good news about Jesus is that it is able to enter any circumstances. It doesn't matter how dark how impossible, how hopeless those circumstances are, the gospel is able to enter those circumstances and bring great joy and radically change those circumstances, radically transform them from the inside out because the gospel brings the good news about Jesus. It brings Jesus into that situation. And that is what makes everything merry and bright. And in fact, I think Maria had shared this morning about like the stars in the sky. Right now, I'm not impressed by the stars. Y'all can go to the windows and look up in the sky. They're not all that amazing. But when I go out camping, far away from civilization, and I look up at the sky, and there's barely any darkness. I mean, it just looks like clouds of stars. It's amazing. That's what the darkness does. It just provides a contrast for the light to shine even brighter. I love the, that prayer this morning. It's just a reality, right? That's, that's what Jesus did. He made things merry and bright because things weren't very merry and bright all around him. But when he comes into those situations, he transforms it all. And in this world where we really don't know who or what we can trust, we have great assurance in God and confidence in his word. His word came this time in the form of an angelic revelation, an angelic visitation. Some of y'all have had those angelic visitations, you know. I haven't had one yet that I'm aware of. And we have a couple of instances where we're pretty sure it was an angel. Somebody came and helped, and then it's like, where'd they go? You know, it's like, I wonder. The guy all dressed in white, remember that time I had a busted tire? Yeah, it was just awesome. It was amazing, you know. The Bible says that some of us have entertained angels without even realizing it. If you're into the old 90s newsboys, he sang a song about entertaining angels. It's good stuff, you know? Yeah, I won't sing it for you. But when the word of God came, what did the angels do? The same thing we do in today's world. They fact-checked, okay? Don't believe anything that you are told in the world today. In fact, don't even believe the fact-checkers. Check it out for yourself. As I encourage you, don't believe everything I teach and preach. Go to the word, because I mess up sometimes. I'm just 
being honest. I'm a human being. I've had to apologize for some things I taught. I'm like, nope, that wasn't right. Nope. You know, fact check everything. And that's exactly what the shepherds did. They hurried off and they went and they found Joseph and Mary and the baby just as it was told. Everything they heard and seen, according to the word of God, was exactly as they had been told. And it resulted in great glory and praise to God. You can fact check God's word. Don't, don't be a religious person that you don't dare question God. No, question it. That's how you learn. That's how you dive in. That's, sorry, I want to make sure I wasn't you know, flashing anybody with my motion sensor anyways. Question it. Dig in. Dive in. Learn. And when you question it, seek God. God, th this doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like either this scripture or this life circumstance. God, I don't know what you're up to here. I need your help. This, this isn't lining up. I can't make any sense of it. He is never, ever threatened by your questioning. He is encouraged by it because it gives him a chance to prove himself and to prove his word that is yes and amen, every single one of his promises. It gives him a chance to prove his faithfulness. And so the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, Jesus, had been born that very day in the city of David. He didn't come when anyone was expecting him to come, nor how anyone expected him to, but the long-awaited Savior was finally here. God wrapped in flesh, but not as this great mighty king as the world would define it as, but rather in humility, complete humility. I mean, he pooped and peed himself, the God of all of the universe, in complete humility. He was reliant on his parents to even get fed. And how many of you have ever been first-time parents? These were unwed first-time parents. We had no clue what we were doing. I don't know how Nate didn't end up more screwed up, but, you know, we figured it out. Can you imagine God entrusting Joseph and Mary with the Savior of the universe, himself wrapped in the flesh? I mean, that's, that's trusting. And yet he trusted them, right? He trusted them. Completely unexpected. This time of the year, we express our love for our family and our friends by giving them gifts, right? I, I told my wife this year, we need to figure out how to, how to bless our, our male person without breaking federal laws because, man, the packages that that poor woman has to drag out of her. I remember we ordered the, the lights for the sign down here. They're like big old four-foot fluorescents. And she drives this little car. And like, I don't know how she squeezed them in there, but she did it. And I'm like, I'm so sorry they didn't ship them UPS or FedEx. I don't know why they chose the post office. You know, but yeah, we give gifts to show gratitude, that we love you, we care about you, we're thinking about you. And of course, God gave the greatest gift of all time, right? The gift of Jesus, his only son, the gift of himself, his very presence. Jesus himself said, as we find quoted in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And God has given us so so much, so much. I mean, beyond life itself and our next breath and the fact that our heart's beating on rhythm, you know, every second, every day of our life, I mean, nothing has a job, you know. It's amazing to think about how our bodies function and just the miracle of how we were, you know, knitted together and, and all of that reality that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. But beyond all of that, I don't know about y'all, but I am grateful that I was born in this time of history and in this great nation. You know, when you, even my worst day in the United States of America is better 
than the best day of most people around the, the globe right now, you know? I mean, we are just blessed. When we get to whining and complaining and we're embittered and, man, we've got nothing to complain about. We are a blessed, blessed people. But all of that aside, God also chose to go, because our God just loves to show off. There is no need in his kingdom. It, it is always above and beyond, you know? There's no lack in his kingdom ever. He chose to give everyone one of the greatest gifts of all time, his one and only son. And, of course, we all know John 3, 16, but we're going to go a few verses further. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Amen? Romans 8, there's no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus. The enemy keeps trying to heap it on, the world keeps trying to heap it on, and I just got to keep reminding all them things that there's no condemnation for me. I'm not that person. I don't know who you're talking about. That was, that was this morning. I'm not that person anymore. I'm a new creation, right? Is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in Jesus, I don't know how they live in this world, they stand condemned already. Because they haven't believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And so we see that God gave us the greatest gift of all time. And it's not just a cliche saying. It is a reality. It is a historical fact. It is our reality. The greatest gift of all time. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn us because of our sin. He came to save us from the condemnation that is already coming because of our sin. He came to free us from the curse that sin brings. He came to give us life instead of the death that sin is bringing. Jesus came a few thousand years ago wrapped in our same flesh in complete humility and weakness. He lived a sinless life to make a way to save us from sin. Jesus came to show us how to live life to its fullest and then willingly gave up that life on the cross for us. That's the gospel. He paid the debt that we owed as a result of our sin. He took on the curse that we might be blessed. Then, of course, we know the good news, and he rose again to life, pioneering a way for us to be saved. We can enter into the kingdom of God, not when we kick the bucket or get raptured. We can enter the kingdom of God right here, right now, because Jesus is the way. He is the truth, right? His salvation is a free gift to anyone who would accept it. This gift is the reason for the season. This gift brings a reason for us to be merry and bright. And of course, we know that Jesus ain't finished yet. He's coming again. And when he comes again, it's not going to be in humility and weakness as a tiny little crying baby in a manger. He's coming a king of kings and lord of lords. Yeah! <laughs> not only that, he is coming as the only one in heaven and earth and all of creation found worthy to sit in judgment. He is coming. He is coming. He's coming to bring judgment on any who don't receive his salvation, but he's coming to bring blessing to all who have received it. So let's get some people receiving the good news out there. I don't want to see anyone condemned on that day. I want to see everyone dancing in their new mansion, right? This is what the scripture continues to say in verse 19. Um, if I go the correct direction, yes. It says here in John chapter 3, verse 19, that this is the verdict. <laughs> this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light 
because their deeds were evil. We talked about this uh, October 31st, right? The, the light versus the darkness. Everyone who does evil hates the light. Ask any police officer, when does crime happen? It's a surprise when it happens in broad daylight. Now, in a lawless nation, it's becoming less, less rare. But in any case, typically, when crimes are committed, are at night in the dark when nobody you know, knows what's happening. Everyone who does evil hates the light. They won't come into the light for fear. For fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So that it may be seen plainly that what they have done, it's all been done in the sight of God. And I take John a step further to say it's all been a work of God. We got nothing to hide because everything that I am is, is a work of God's grace. We know that Jesus is coming again. I, I talked about that. I got ahead of myself already, right? He's coming to deliver us once and for all. He came as a helpless baby and grew up as a man and died on the cross and rose again to life, you know, to provide a way for our salvation. But he's coming to fulfill that work one day to deliver us that we can experience the fullness of his salvation. And I've tasted and seen some pretty good things, so I can't wait for the fullness to be manifest. He's returning to put an end to the corruption of sin and death. In fact, even death and hate is going to get all bound up and cast into the pit at lake of uh, fire forever and ever so that we can be restored to eternal life where sin reigns no more but for now jesus patiently waits he waits that's what second peter was in chapter three says he patiently waits for all to receive his salvation he doesn't want anyone to perish he doesn't want anyone condemned on that day the, the will and the desire of god is that every person would be saved but he'll never trump our own will. In the end, he just honors your decision. He doesn't condemn anyone to hell. He doesn't cast anyone in the fiery pit. He just honors your decision to accept or to reject his salvation. For now, we have the honor and the privilege of sharing all about this free gift of salvation with everyone. And it's up to them whether they receive it or deny it. It's up to you of whether they hear it. Do they know the one true living God, the true Jesus Christ? Not the one that they've heard about from other people or the one they think they know, who he truly is. Just like the shepherds out in the field, we get to be witnesses of who Jesus is. We have a living relationship with God. We know him. You get to be like, I know him, you know? Like when he hears about Santa, oops, sorry, I get excited this time of the year. You know, we get to be like that. We know Jesus. And I don't know about you, but when I, when I encounter other people, you know, strangers, and, and you know that you have that in common, man, it's just so exciting, you know? Not the guy yesterday at Steel City Con. He was telling me I was a sinner going to hell. There's a street preacher there. He wasn't sharing good news, you know? Just because I'm dressed like a Tuscan Raider doesn't mean I'm going to hell, you know? I mean, sorry. Like, I was really bummed out at that preacher with his bullhorn, you know? He wasn't sharing any good news at all. And I'm like, man, I just wanted to grab it off of him and share some good news, you know? You don't have to be condemned to hell. You don't have to be. There's good news. God has made a way. Like, let's get to the good part. He got so stuck on the bad part that we're just filthy sinners, you know, worthy of God's wrath. He never got to the good stuff. And I stood out there for a while. I never heard the good stuff, um, you know? 
And I hate that. You know, my family, we're geeks like that, and that's all they ever hear. He goes to Slipknot concerts, and what does he hear? The street preacher's telling him that he's going to hell. He never hears the good news. And that's why he's like, well, what's different about you? You know, why aren't you like that? That's good. That's good, by the way. We ought to be those people. Light in the darkness. We've got a free gift. We should make people feel like Christmas morning when you're a kid coming down the stairs if you had a two-story house. You know, we, we were on one story, you know. When you come out of the bedroom and the gifts are there and you just can't wait to see what you got. I mean, that's, that's what the, the, the gospel should be to people. It should make people excited and wanting to receive it and wanting to unwrap it and wanting to explore it. It's good stuff. It's good news. It's the greatest gift of all time. And we have the privilege of sharing it with people. Jesus said this. Jesus said this in Matthew 5.14. So this is not a theological error. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That's what Jesus Christ said. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. I don't care where I go around here, I see Daybert's house. That big old house on a hill, you can't hide the thing. Even when the fog settles in here, it ain't hidden, right? You can't hide it. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. You ever go to someone's house at night and they go around, they turn on the lights and then they throw their fleece blanket over it? What would you, a little flaky if they do something like that. No, you turn on the lamp, you light the lamp for it to give light. And to give light is as great as possible, right? You want to light that place up. And it says instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I'm going to give a side message here. That whole don't let your left hand know what your right hand doing, Christians think that is the greatest honor you can have to hide your good deeds. Do you know when, when Jesus said about that? If you have a prideful heart... <laughs> If you struggle with pride and arrogance in your heart, and you can't do a good deed without taking the credit, then yeah, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, okay? Don't be prideful. But that was one scripture, and there's like, I think I, think I counted last time, like 18 scriptures, where Jesus said, let your deed shine before man. Don't hide that you did something good. Do something good for others. Be direct about it. Be intentional about it. Because when you're direct and intentional about it, you can be direct and intentional about the reason I'm doing this is all because of Jesus. Because of how good he's been to me. And I just want to be that to you. I want to be as good to you as Christ has been to me. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And it's something that we talk about often, right? Trying to train up the, uh, the kiddos in that way. Uh, we love receiving things, but it's more blessed. Blessed to give than to receive. And since we've received so much, when we've accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation, we have to remember that. We've received so much, but we're not blessed to be blessed. We're blessed to be a blessing. We, we, we aren't cups to hold the blessing of God. We are Schedule 40 PVC pipe to let the, the blessing flow through us, right? We don't want any clogged up drains this time of the year. Don't be clogged up with your salvation. Let it flow. Let it fly, right? Don't hide that gift. Let your light shine. You don't have to live a perfect life to shine brightly, right? You don't have to live a perfect life. In fact, it's your imperfect life that shines the light of Christ. 
It's your brokenness that reveals the glory of God. Don't hide your weaknesses. Let God be your strength in those things. Let people see that you're just a common, ordinary person just like them. But there's one thing different from you and them. You struggle with the same troubles in this world. You, you struggle with the same thoughts. But then you go a step further. You've got a relationship. You've got the Word of God. That's what makes us different from anyone else who hasn't received it yet. There's a quote that is familiar to many of us, and it's from Shakespeare's work, The Merchant of Venice. Anybody ever read that before? Maybe many of us. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Anybody ever watch that? The old 70s one? Yeah, there we go. You are familiar with Shakespeare's work, right? Um, he quotes this. So shines a good deed in a weary world. Remember this scene? Charlie Bucket's the only good kid left, even though he drank the fizzy lifting drink. He wasn't all that good. I always struggled with that as a kid. Like, you know, because I was a tattletale dude goody, you know. Like, that wasn't right. Anyways, he calls him out on it. Don't worry. Um, but in any case, so shines a good deed in a weary world. In the original work, the full quoted conversation goes like this. Um, there's a girl named Portia, and she says, The light we see is burning in my hall. And I'm not a Shakespearean, so don't expect any old English or anything. She says, How far that little candle throws his beams. So shines a good deed in a naughty world. See, the naughtier that this world gets, the darker it gets, the more corruption that you see around you, don't get down about it. It's your time to shine. You get to shine bright to the truth of God. And then Nerissa chimes in, and she said, when the moon shone, we didn't see that little candle. And then Portia replies, so doth greater glory dim the less. A substitute shines brightly as a king unto the king be by and then his state empties itself as doth an inland brook you are the light of the world and you get to shine your little light but when the glory of god comes your light ain't gonna be shining anymore and that's fine let the glory fall let the glory come Man, it's like a lighthouse calling people into his presence. <laughs> like that picture, you know, people can be like little bugs, you know, to the zapper, you know. Like, God's glory can just draw them in, and man, it, it's not going to be to their death, it's going to be to their life, right, that it happens. But when we receive God's gift of salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. As soon as you're saved, you receive a deposit of the Holy Spirit. Hang with me, I know I'm going to go a little longer today, maybe, but um, it's going to be good. We receive the present of God's presence. I mean, literally, the glory of God, the very Holy Spirit, the same one that impregnated Mary fills your life. By the way, the Jehovah's Witnesses knock on your door, ask them about that one, that the Holy Spirit's an impersonal force, because I don't see a bunch of virgins being pregnant all around me if, if the Holy Spirit's an impersonal force, right? Very personal. Praise be to God, because we don't need random pregnancies popping up everywhere. But in any case... We receive the presence of God's presence, the Holy Spirit within us. This presence enables us to shine the glory of God through our lives. That's why it's okay to be broken. 
you know, when, when, a, when a pot is broken, those cracks, just let the glory shine through even more. That's what your life does. When Moses would enter the presence of God at the tent of the meeting, when he would meet with God, his face, when he left that place, would literally radiate the glory of God in the form of a physical light. I think, Marie, I think we were talking about this the other day, you know? Literally, that's what would happen. In fact, Moses started wearing a veil, you know? First of all, it was so that he wouldn't freak people out, because, I mean, you go around looking like a lightning bug with your face just beaming, you know? When I was a kid, we had those, what were those, light brights? No, light brights were the things you put the pegs in. The, the glow worms, yeah. It, that weird, creepy worm that you go to bed with, and it was like a nightlight. Anyways, it was cool back then. Um, that's what the glory of God did. Not only did he wear a veil to not creep people out by, by that radiant glory of God, he also did it so that people wouldn't see that the longer he was out of the presence of God, the more it would fade. Now we have no excuse for a fading glory. We are going from glory to glory, right? An ever-increasing measure. I mean, think about that reality. If Moses' face physically shone bright because he was in the presence of God, what should our lives look like when the presence of God is within us? You know, we, we aren't like those, um, those glow-in-the-dark cool things when I was little that you hold them in the light and they, they shine really bright and then they fade when they're away from the light. We carry the light. We're like flashlights. We're like spotlights, you know? You have the generation of that light within you, the Holy Spirit. How much more should our lives radiate the glory of God? Radiate the glory of God. Not just reflect it as it fades, but radiate it from glory to glory, from measure to measure, right? From an increasing measure. Though we might shine now a bit like Portia's little candle on that lampstand, throwing our beams of light down the halls of our lives, that light will ultimately fade away when the glory of King Jesus is present. And I don't want a little light to shine. I want to be like that lighthouse. That when people look at my messed up, screwed up life and my weird perception of things, they see beyond me, they see Jesus. You know, they see, like, like that, that street preacher, they see beyond the cosplayer that's just uh, geeking out, you know, and they see who I really am. I almost wanted to defend myself to that guy. Like, I am saved. I am going to heaven. Going to hell? Like, what are you talking about, fool? You know, I, you, got, you got me all wrong. You got it all messed up. You know, but I love that we don't have to defend ourselves, do we? Jesus is your defender. You don't have to be perfect. Your imperfect life can radiate the glory of God. I shared a little bit about our messed up family situation. We got teenagers, we're all arguing and bickering, and the next thing you know, God uses us to, to probably save a man's life. Definitely save him from parole and, I mean, all these other things. But, man, God doesn't need you to be perfect. He just needs you to be available and willing. Available and willing. And he can shine brightly through your life. And that's what this is all about. So throughout this Christmas season, not only do we always have reason to be merry and bright, no matter how, many dark our, how dark our circumstances may be, we always have a reason to be merry and bright because we have the gospel. We have a relationship with Jesus. But we get to be merry and bright. We get to shed some light into people's lives. We get to bring some hope to hopelessness. We get to drive back fear 
and darkness with the good news about Jesus. Our joy, the source of our strength, it comes from the Holy Spirit, not based on the things of this world. So it endures and it perseveres beyond anything that we can experience, merry and bright. So let's let our light shine into this dark world by being a blessing in any way that we can, by taking full advantage of this life that we have been given. There are, there are opportunities around us every single day to shine the light of Christ, whether it be with deeds or with words. Let it start with deeds, and when they ask the reason for the hope that's within you, then use words to tell them the good news of the gospel. But take full advantage of those opportunities because we don't have much more time. I know people have been saying that for thousands of years, but when Jesus said the signs to be looking for, I'm starting to see them in our everyday life. We, all that we know is that every one of us have one day less than we did yesterday. You never know when your last day is here on this earth, and, and more so, you never know when the last day is for those people all around you. Tragedies happen every day. So let's tell them about Jesus. Let's give them the opportunity to receive his salvation. And once they know about it, back off for a little bit. Let the Holy Spirit do, do work. You know, as Christians, you can't be pouncing on people every opportunity, but you need to be the light. We need to let people know the way to be saved through Jesus Christ himself and the way that he has made. Like the shepherds on the day of Jesus' birth, let's tell others about that salvation that is now available for them. And let's look for opportunities to make this season merry and bright for those around us. Amen? Amen. If I could have the worship team come uh, back up. Um, we're going to end here with uh, a little bit of joy, joy to the world. So it's time to get our joy on. It is time to shake off those things that we walked in here with all those weights and worries of the world that's trying to weigh us down. And it's time just to receive the joy of the Holy Spirit. That joy that is our strength. That joy that is our sustenance. That joy that nothing in this world has any authority to take from us. So it was given to the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Joy to the world because Jesus is here. He is come. And he's not a tiny little helpless baby anymore. He is king of kings. There is nothing our God can't do for you. Amen? Yeah.